What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown. We are your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. We are finally done with Super Wildcard Weekend. Spend over three days. It was it was great to have that. I think that's the first time ever in history that that Wildcard Weekend has gotten three days in a row. But yeah, we're done with we're done with Wildcard Weekend, and now we are set for the divisional round of the playoffs. We've got a lot of NFL talk today, as well as some NBA talk for you NBA fans out there. NBA is making its return to the podcast. And then we've got also a fun segment at the end of the day here. We're going to we're going to start a new monthly, maybe maybe every like two or three weeks um, segment where we do a you're wrong man of the week. It's kind of like, come on, man, I'll explain it more later when we get to it. But that's going to come last. So make make sure to to, uh, stay tuned for that. Matt, I've got him on the other end here. How are you doing? Yeah, it was um, it was it was a good super wild card weekend, as you mentioned. It wasn't, you know, it, it wasn't the most exciting football that I've ever watched, and and we'll get into that a little bit. Um, but nonetheless, good to have football games uh, at the very least, and, and like he said, I mean, it spanned over three days, so you kind of had something to look forward to. Um, you know, throughout Sunday, Monday, or Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and now kind of with college football over with and, and not much going on in terms of kind of the other major sports, NHL and NBA are kind of in, in the middle of their season, so it's not not really, you know, playoff implications or anything going on there, even though we will talk NBA, of course, um, but but yeah, de- definitely something to, to kind of look forward to because there's not really much in terms of the major sports or, or anything that's kind of, you know, really in, uh, in, in full swing here. So football nonetheless is, is better than nothing, but you know, th- there was some, there was some stuff to be desired. So that's kind of what we're going to be attacking here at some point. Um, we got, we got a good few N- uh, NFL topics kind of going over the um, uh, you know, the kind of the major stories from this weekend um, and, you know, kind of, kind of looking, looking a little big picture. All right. So, so after kind of analyzing the games, seeing what happened, uh, you know, n- now we can kind of get into a little bit of the, you know, the, the matchups here kind of coming up as well as kind of what we saw and what we make of the the weekend that was Super Wild Card Weekend. Um, obviously, as we move forth to the divisional round of the playoffs uh, coming up this weekend. And then, of course, you're going to want to stay tuned for these betting locks, baby. I mean, are we serious right now? We're on fire. All right. We are on fire with the bed and locks. Got five in a row. We're six and four in a year. But uh, again, you're only going to be hearing those caches if you keep listening to the end of the podcast. Let's get it. That's right. This is this is definitely the time that I think a lot of football fans are kind of realizing that football is is coming to a close pretty soon. This, you know, the divisional round of the playoffs, it's kind of the, the time where you know, there's only eight teams left and it's just like, well, this is quarterfinals at this point. So, so yeah, it, it, it'll be, it'll be still, it'll still be fun. We're really excited to kind of, you know, wrap up this, this end of the football season, hopefully with some really, really good episodes for you guys coming out in the um, near future. So yeah, just to get us started here, as always, we've got NFL first. So our first topic for NFL here is kind of about the two games that weren't really a, a disappointment, really. Like, like Matt said, you know, we were kind of left with something, something to be desired. 
from these games in the in, in Super Wild Card Weekend, and that's because the Cowboys and the 49ers game and the Bengals and Raiders games, those two games were really the only two games out of the six that were actually close games and that actually were, you know, really enjoyable to watch towards the end. The other games, one team was was really, you know, the team that pulled ahead by ha- by about halftime, like in pretty much all those games, the the leader really took a, a commanding lead by halftime. And the second half of all those games were kind of just, eh. so, you know, we, we also both correctly predicted the 49ers beating the Cowboys. And it was interesting because again, that was, that was kind of one of those closer games. Um, and, you know, we, we weren't predicting, we weren't really expecting a blowout from the 49ers. Um, but, you know, they, they did take command of that game pretty early on, but then the Cowboys were able to kind of come back and, you know, fight back in, in the, in the Cowboys manner. And then they kind of finished the game and also perfect Cowboys fashion. So it, you know, it kind of felt like mostly everybody was expecting this outcome in some sense that the 49ers would win. And I think it's almost fitting to compare Joe Burrow and, and Dak Prescott here, because, you know, both of these guys are coming off of huge injuries that they suffered last season but the main difference between the two is that one is still left in the playoffs and that's Joe Burrow and Dak Prescott is obviously not. And so I, you know, I'm bringing this up and I feel, I don't know if this is really an obvious take or not really an obvious take. Um, I, you know, Cowboys fans are probably going to give me a lot of pushback here, but it's looking like Joe Burrow could be considered a, a better QB than Dak right now. And really than Dak has ever been, I think. Um, and so, you know, obviously, since Joe Burrow led his team to a, a playoff win this year already and Dak did the opposite, you know, could we consider Burrow to be a better QB than Dak at this point? Or is it matter a more a matter of, of coaching on each team? Because, as we know, Mike McCarthy is has not shown signs of being the brightest coach in the past. Um, and Zach Taylor has been, uh, you know, really, really helpful for the Bengals. So is it more of a matter of coaching? Or can we really start talking about Joe, Joe Burrow being better than better than Dak at this point? It's not for me. I think uh, really the talent of the players that goes into this as much as it is. I think kind of coaching the latter of what you said um, because they're first of all they're different quarterbacks. I think I think Dak Prescott. Now they're both I think pass first. Um, n- neither of them are, are, are super, you know, dual threat quarterbacks by any means, but, um, I just think that the way that they play is, is very different. I think that Dak tries to kind of, you know, he, he's a lot more into the quick game. He tries to hit screens. He tries to hit slants. He tries to hit, you know, kind of hitches that are, that are maybe, you know, a little bit shorter than the first down marker, whereas Joe Burrow goes all out. I mean, he throws it down the field. He is slinging it. Um, now that also kind of has to do with the type of receivers you have, but I would I would argue that the Cowboys and the Bengals have pretty com- pretty comparable receivers. So what this really comes down to, in my opinion, is just like really what's working for a certain team at a certain time. And we saw that to start the season, right? The Cowboys went six and one. Their only loss was in their first. Uh, you know, their first game, which was against the Buccaneers and that, you know, Thursday night game when basically if they, there was like a, there was another, uh, you know, once again, a Mike McCarthy coaching error with, you know, time left and, and not calling timeouts or whatever. But uh, 
but where the Cowboys could have very well won that game and, and then started, you know, seven and zero with the best record in the league and whatever. But, and so I think during that run, it was kind of like, wow, the Cowboys are legit, right? They, that their offense was humming. The defense was obviously vastly improved from last year, but but then it kind of just teetered off towards the end of the season. They, you know, they finished the season, I think six and four after that great start. And a lot of those wins were against divisional opponents. And, and again, when you're playing the giants and the Washington football team, uh, you know, four times out of the year, that's, that's essentially, you know, four and four guaranteed wins, uh, you know, right there. So, so that's kind of, I think the, the, the difference in, in what we're seeing here is like, I would say that because Dak has been in the league longer and shown at least some sort of kind of consistent, uh, you know, to some extent, a consistent kind of product in terms of, you know, pretty good performances. Whereas Joe Burrow was, he played half a season last year and he was hurt for the other half. And then this year he played the full season, but, and they, yeah, they won the division, but it was at the detriment of, you know, the, the Steelers were falling off and the Ravens were ravaged by injuries. And so, um, you know, and so they may have gotten a couple wins that they otherwise wouldn't have in other years in which the division would have been more competitive. So, so really, you know, and then they played the Raiders in the first round of the playoffs, right? And so it's like, if the Bengals, well, let me put it this way. Raiders, obviously, pretty much shouldn't have even been in the playoffs, right? And it's amazing that they got there and they were 10 and 7 in the regular season. Obviously, a, a better team than, you know, than not, but at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm sure that because we saw the way that the 49ers played, they, they played defense, they ran the ball and they took over that game. I'm sure if the Bengals had played the 49ers and the Cowboys had played the Raiders, we could be having this conversation, but in the exact, in the exact opposite, uh, you know, roles reverse type of scenario where we're saying, you know, because I would assumedly, you know, the Cowboys probably would have beaten up on the Raiders at home and, and the Bengals uh, would have struggled with the 49ers and, and possibly even lost. And Joe Burrow probably would not have looked as good as he did um, against the Raiders. And he didn't even have, you know, that that great of a game. But I think that, you know, I think we are starting to see some star level potential with Burrow. Um, it's just going to have to be a little bit more consistent over the next couple of years, because I think the, the really crazy thing about Dak was when he first kind of landed the starting job was he was essentially taking over for Tony Romo when Romo went down one of those years and basically just kept the job. Like, I think that kind of gets lost in lost in translation a little bit here is it wasn't like they cut Tony Romo or Tony Romo was like, I'm going to retire. And then they brought in Dak and, and, you know, they gave him time, whatever, like, no, he, he took over, he took over the reins of that team pretty much as soon as he got, there and you know and didn't really let him go and has been a very consistent performer up until now and so yes he has good offensive pieces to kind of you know support his game and so and so I think that really helped in his development as well but I think that you know from a sheer talent perspective he's always kind of been there um never really been a you know maybe a top five quarterback in the league but but definitely serviceable enough and, and has taken advantage of the weaker NFC East uh as we've experienced for the past couple of years here and so the, the Cowboys have gotten to the playoffs a bunch and obviously we're seeing all those stats about how they, you know, that they, they haven't, there, there's all these crazy stats about how like few playoff games they've won. And, you know, they, they have the most playoff appearances uh, without going to an NFC or an NFC champ or a championship game in the entire history of the NFL. And so it's like all these, you know, and, and obviously it's funny to kind of clown on Cowboys fans, but like, I do think that to a certain extent, it may be a little bit too early to answer the question here too early to, 
compare Burrow and Dak, but I think they are very comparable players. And I think it's an interesting way to think about the kind of future of the game, because I think both of these guys will be in the league for a while. They'll be probably with their same teams for a while. And so maybe kind of, maybe, maybe we kind of demarcate this kind of end to the playoffs, um, you know, or at the end of the season to kind of, you know, kind of keeping track of them neck and neck here for the next few years as we go down the, you know, as, as we go down the boat and see kind of where, where they end up. So, um, yeah, so I, I'm probably going to say it's maybe a little bit too early to, to crown Joe Burrow as, as a better quarterback than Dak. Um, but, but both are showing promise and both are producing consistent results. And, and I think are, are definitely, you know, probably, I mean, I would say franchise quarterbacks for each of their respective teams. Yeah, I, I totally see where you're coming from. And that's kind of where I was trying to take this argument because a lot of a lot of people now are trying to are trying to compare Joe Burrow and, and Justin Herbert and saying, okay, well, which one's better? Because they're both from the same draft class. And you know, that was just a crazy QB draft class. And and both of the, you know, both of those guys, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, yeah, I, I would agree as well, are, you know, our our franchise QBs already. And so but yeah, the reason I'm comparing uh, Joe Burrow and Dak Prescott is because they're coming. They were coming off of those crazy injuries last year, and you know it was such a big disappointment that both of them weren't able to play for most of the year. But and and I think it's a little bit. Yeah, I think I think the comparison here is a little bit unequal in terms of playing time in the NFL. Right, we've only seen Joe Burrow play a season and a half, really, if that, and. Yeah, he made it to the playoffs in his first full season with the Bengals. And, you know, it's 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 great to see that. But then again, I, I think you were right, Matt, with this, with, you know, with the point that we've seen more from Dak and we can't really take that away from him just because he kind of blew it in this in, in this playoffs. And maybe he's you know, he's done it a couple of times in the past as well. But like every quarterback has times when, you know, they can they go into a slump or whatever like that. Like he's we're going to see Dak come out of this even if you want to i mean i don't even know if you want to call this a slump but we're going to see him come out of this season i think you know kind of mad at himself and and maybe even mad at his team and i think we're going to see him perform really well to, um next year i almost said tomorrow that's crazy but yeah next year i, I think we're going to see him perform really well joe burrow as well i mean it, it kind of depends on what they do this season um you know but I, he's going to be really consistent next year as well um and so i, I guess i kind of just brought up this this comparison because right. They are, they are both coming off of really bad injuries and I'm not, I'm not even really going to get into the whole comeback player of the year discussion here because I think we all know who it's going to be and it's going to be Joe, Joe Burrow um, because, you know, Dak didn't really do much this year to, to impress us and Joey Bosa, a lot of people are arguing for him, but I think with, with Joe Burrow's recent performance, he he's kind of taken the cake on this one. So yeah, without getting into comeback player of the year discussion, I, I wanted to kind of compare these two guys because I, I think it's a little bit interesting because, they, you know, I think people could make a strong case for Joe Burrow being considered a better quarterback at this point than than Dak. He's I mean, he's been better pretty much all season. Dak hasn't really shown anything special all season. I think he had a couple games where he, you know, he threw like four or five touchdowns. But that was really because, again, they're they're in the NFC East and they scored I think they were the only they were also the only team that scored 50 points twice um this season so that that was kind of cool to see but then again it's like that's not I don't think that's really a product of Dak I think that's just a product of their whole offense which 
they should be doing almost every week because they have so much talent on that offense. But yeah, I, I also do think it's a matter of coaching. And we kind of saw that in the Cowboys and 49ers game where Mike McCarthy, dude, it's like their team, 14 penalties in, a, in, in an NFC wildcard playoff game. Like you can't have that, dude. Um, so he's he's got to he's either got to do something there or he's most likely out. And so the next guy up, you know, maybe uh, oh, for, I forget who they're offensive coordinator is but maybe Kellen yeah maybe Moore. We'll take a, yeah Kellen Moore right where do you go um, to college Hayden let's I, we're also going to start this fun segment because I do this to Hayden all the time when we're sitting there <laughs> not on the podcast where did Kellen Moore go to college Kellen Moore went to Boise State there you go there okay you go. oh yes sir he was on the cover of what NCAA football game wait what yeah see that's I always got you just a little no, wait. bit wait what'd you say he was on the cover of an NCAA football game. Uh, I think it was eleven. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> See, but you're older than me, so you like you know that kind of stuff. I don't. Yeah, but, I mean, you played them. You played the game as well. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, yeah. So you know, maybe Kellen Moore will become the head coach there and, and give him something better. But I, I do definitely think that Zach Taylor helped Joe Burrow's case a lot this season, and that's kind of where we have to leave this argument because you can't really go much further with it. So. Moving on to our second topic here, we've got, um, you know, we, we've we've had the discussion about whether or not the 14 team or the 14 playoff teams in the playoffs is too much. Right. You know, seven on, on in each conference. Is it too much? Because it's it switched from being six to seven a few years ago. So both seven seeds this year, you know, teams that would not have made the playoffs in the traditional um, in the traditional playoff model or whatever uh, prior to the rule change both seven seeds got absolutely blown out we saw that you know the eagles got blown out by the bucks and the chiefs got blown out by the i mean sorry the steelers got blown out by the chiefs so can we at this point say that you know a a two seed playing a a seven seed in the wild card is that too much like is it too much of a gimme um in in terms of the two the two seed pretty much always beating the seven seed because as we know it's this isn't march madness where a 14 seed can be a three seed any day of the week. Um, it's it's NFL playoff football where home field advantage matters a lot and better teams are just better teams. So, you know, is is this playoff format kind of exploiting that two versus seven matchup? The argument here comes down to whether or not you want to see more football games or you want to see better football games. And it's a tough one because – as an avid football fan, I want to see both, right? You're not going to get both, though. And, and here's the here's the breakdown. Obviously, Hayden mentioned it, and that's the point of this topic, is to kind of just point out the fact that you, when you have the, a, you know, a team getting in as a seven seed, they're going to be a team that's definitely second place or third place in their division, Um who their record is kind of closer to 500. They don't have as many wins and they haven't maybe necessarily proven themselves over the course of the year. That also could be a situation where, you know, a team just got really hot to end the season or they played some easy teams, which is exactly what, you know, what happened with the Eagles or they get extremely, extremely lucky to the point where the percentage chance of them making the playoffs was like below 0.5% and they had so many things go right for them, which is the case for the Steelers. 
And and so both of them still end up in the playoffs, but you but you see the result, you see what happened. They are not anywhere close to the level of of quality players and performance level capabilities that the that the two teams that they're playing are. And so, yeah, it's it's good to have more football. And and obviously, right, I'm I'm always going to side with that argument of you know I would much rather me and Hayden talk about it right to to start the show, right, like. We yes, it, it, there were blowouts and it wasn't really necessarily interesting football, but it was football nonetheless, and it was more time that you could spend in front of your TV, you know, just just chilling out and, and watching the games. But I think that there has to be some level of compromise here, or 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 you know, some level of compensation to where you know we we make these games a little bit more even. I I don't know how to do it. Um, I, I really, yeah, I mean, we're not going to, we're not here to really come up with solutions. I think to kind of just kind of just discuss this and, and what the, you know, what the effects are of it, because it's, it's, it's clear that, you know, this, the two seeds are probably going to win almost every time against a seven seed. Like you just think about the quality of the team, the, the circumstances that had to go right for the seven seed to even make the playoffs. And you're going against a team who is, well deserving of a first round buy and, you know, and, and could have even potentially gotten, you know, the home field advantage out the playoffs and the one seat, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, because the chiefs, right. If, if the, if the Texans were able to come back against the Titans in week 18, the chiefs would be the number one seed. The whole playoff scenario would be different. And so the chiefs are basically a number one seed playing the Steelers who shouldn't have even gotten in, in the first place. And so I almost think that to that extent, you know, in terms of an argument for the two seeds, I feel as though they are more deserving of a first round buy and then, you know, the home field and whatever in the next game um, than they are of playing a team that had like a 0.25% chance to make the playoffs um, in the first place or for, you know, for the Bucks side of things, the Eagles who beat, you know, who, who beat the, the Washington football team twice and, and even lost to the Giants and still made the playoffs. So, you know, I think it's much more, I think that the two seeds are much more deserving of, you know, a first round buy and not having to play this game than they are of just having to go out there just to prove their stuff and most likely win by like 30 points anyway. So um, it, it, will there be a chance for, for a seven seed to ever, you know, beat a two seed and kind of make a run in the playoffs? Sure. We've seen so many times, you know, a five or a six seed get in as a wild card team and just make a run and, and, and even win the Super Bowl, right? That happened in back-to-back years. 2010, the Packers did it. Um, and 2011, the Giants did it. So, like, it happens. And, and so I think that, you know, at the end of the day, it'll happen eventually maybe where, where a seven seed up seed, it's a two seed, and, and that's just kind of what's going to happen. But I think that at least in the first two years of this kind of experiment that the NFL is running, the, the, the seven seeds have had no chance and the two seeds have absolutely rolled. And so to some extent then too, you can say, well, that's fine. You know, the, the two seeds then prove that they were the two seed, that they're the better quality team. They'll get a home, you know, they still get two home playoff games. And if the, you know, if, if the one seed ends up losing in any of their games and the two seed has home field advantage throughout the playoffs. So really what you're ending up with is kind of just not having a first round buy. I think they still deserve that because clearly like, you know, the Bucks went 13 and four, um, the, uh, you know, you know, the chiefs could have easily gotten the number one seed. And so that type of situation kind of makes me feel for the two seeds who have to kind of go out and actually play a game when normally they would have a full, uh, you know, a full extra week of rest. But again, at the same time, it's, you know, it's, it's football nonetheless. And I think that 
kind of where I'm going with this too. And we can even transition this over to college football, right? We can essentially attribute the same argument to college football in regards to the of, of playoff expansion. Obviously the college football playoff is only four teams right now. And, 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 you know, before this kind of, before this playoff, uh, you know, finished up there with, with Georgia beating Alabama for the championship, everybody was saying, you know, you need to have eight or eight teams. You need to have 12 teams, um, because, you know, because you're, you're excluding so many people from this tournament, uh, you know, or, or, you know, excluding so many people from, from a chance to win a college football national championship. And then what did we see in, in, you know, in the semifinal games, it was Alabama beating, you know, beating Cincinnati by more than 20 points. And it was Georgia beating Michigan by more than 20 points. And it was like the two best teams that we all knew were going to be, you know, the two best teams all year still ended up in the championship game and blew out their opponents. And so it's like, we can expand the college football playoff as much as we want. And again, I, I'm in favor of that because sure you may have this one time when, you know, when an eight seed makes a run and, and, you know, it's just, it's just, it's kind of the same thing as March madness. It's just harder to win a football game over a 60 minute time period than it is to get lucky in, you know, get hot shooting, you know, in one game of March madness. So, so that's kind of the thing is like, if we, even if we end up expanding the college football playoff, you're still going to end up with the better teams facing off against each other. So, um, so I think that it, it is important to kind of note, just to kind of close this up here. It is important to note that these games, Games are not competitive at all. These two versus seven NFL playoff matchups, but nonetheless, it's more football than we would have been getting in other years. And you can eventually have the chance to, you know, to maybe see a seven seed actually win a game and, and, and maybe, you know, continue to win games uh, after that. It just will kind of come down to, and then kind of, you know, on the other side, if you're a two seed, you know, you probably, you kind of get a more of a cupcake matchup. You don't have to be, you know, you, you, you don't have to get out of game shape, right. If you get a first round buy or you worry about your, you know, you getting, getting out of, all out of whack with your offense, you can still go out there and, and, and run your stuff and win a game. And now you're set and, and you're ready to go for kind of a, you know, hopefully a Super Bowl run there. So I think it's probably a win-win on all sides. Um, it just is like maybe in some circumstances, a little bit inconvenient you know, inconveniences the, the fan to a certain extent because you kind of have to deal with some of these blowouts sometimes. But hopefully it'll change in the future. That's, that's really all we can hope for. Yeah, I think you made a really good point about connecting it to college football because at least this year we saw – we I think we saw a really extreme case of the, you know, the, the, the really good teams beating the bad teams in what's supposed to be playoff play. You know, it I, in past years, the, the college football playoff – semifinal games haven't been that like there hasn't been that much of a margin uh, between the, the winner and loser. And if, I mean, if, if we, if we are going to like, you know, I guess uh, I don't know what the word is, but, or what the phrase is, but if, if we are going to like talk about specifics here, Georgia was technically the three seed and they beat the two seed by over 20 points. Now we knew that Georgia was the more talented team between the two, between Michigan and, and Georgia, but they technically were the three seed. So like, if you want to make an argument, an argument about seeding, you could kind of say, okay, well, this, the three seed is blowing out the two seed by, you know, 20 points. And so I guess that's, that's more likely than a seven seed be, beating a two seed by 20 points. But again, like it's, I think what Matt said at the end there was, was good. And that's that just because it didn't happen this year and just because it hasn't, I guess, you know, you know it hasn't happened in the two years that we've had, this new rule in place that doesn't mean it's not going to happen in the future. It just means that we're getting the result that we expect to get. 
you know, we expect a two seed to beat a seven seed, especially in, in something like the NFL playoffs where teams now can get in with some kind with like this, you know, really janky record and, you know, nobody expects them to get in, but they somehow do. And so, yeah, I think, I think at this point, the argument has to be, it's more football for, for us from an entertainment standpoint. And if, you know, if it doesn't mean half of the two seeds team getting hurt, yeah, it's a cakewalk game. They don't, you know, yeah, they're not getting out of, out of football shape. It's probably even better for them to keep on playing and play, play a cakewalk team because then right they're you know, they, they have a routine of playing every week for almost 18, 18 straight weeks, you know, about one bye week in between and, you know, nestled in there somewhere, but basically 18 weeks that you're playing straight. And then, you, you know, if you're, if you're one seed, then you get a buy in the first round of the playoffs one, you know, that, that, or I guess two week break, basically that two week break is, it, it does something to you because, you know, guys get kind of complacent. They get a little bit cocky and it's kind of, it gets to your head. And like Matt said, a lot of times teams will kind of get discombobulated during that, during that two week period of, um, you know, of, of not playing football. And so I think, yeah, I think, I think there could be an argument for this is great because it, it does give the two seed kind of more of an advantage um, rather than it hinders them because they're not getting super beat up by a team that's basically on their level. Um, you, you know, football is, is, is a grueling sport. People are going to get hurt and wild stuff is going to happen. But when it comes down to it, right. It's, I, I don't think it's really hindering the sport in any way. And right. It, I mean, every football fan wants to see two more wild card games on wild card weekend. Cause that's, that's what we want to see. So yeah, I, I think that's a great, I think it's a great thing to to have in place in the NFL, but I also don't think like the, the whole college football playoff expanding to 12 teams, that may be a little bit much because then you have, I don't even really know what the bracket would look like then, but um, yeah, like we, I, I already had an episode of uh, about this last um, last summer and Matt and I will definitely do another one in the future about it. Maybe not even really in the near future, but definitely in the future at some point, like we will probably have a whole episode dedicated to the college football playoff thing. So I'm not going to get too much into that now, but I I think it is kind of cool to compare both um, NFL and, you know, possibly having 12 teams in the, in the college football playoff. So, and if you, and if you think about it, like the NFL is essentially a, you know, basically a 14 team playoff. Right. So I think it's, it's so funny how we think about it in terms of like, Oh, the college football championship is called a playoff, but it's like, it is the playoff. Whereas in the NFL, you have the playoffs and you've just been saying that for you know years, but because yeah. the playoff in college football is so new, we're like, Oh, but it's you, you, it's more than four teams. What? When it's like, dude, the NFL has been doing this for, you know, for however long. So, so that's, I think the argument there is like at the end of the day, you know, it, it, an NFL team that makes the Super Bowl and plays in wild card weekend, um, you know, kind of, kind of as a, as a, as an aside there, will end up playing 21 football games. Cause you got now you got 17 games in the regular season. You got the wild card weekend, you got divisional, you got the conference championship and you got the Super Bowl. So that's 21 football games. And, and, you know, in college football, even if you win the championship, you're or go to the championship, you're still only playing like 15 games. So, um, and that's a whole different argument, right? You know, college students and their bodies, and they gotta, you know, get their degrees, all that. I again, you know, we 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 that that's a whole other time. But I think that you know, if, if we're talking about playoffs in general, like the playoffs have to be more teams because you just 
you know, you need competent, you need chances for things to happen because I do think that eventually a seven seed is going to be a two seed in the NFL playoffs. And that's going to be, you know, that's going to be an awesome upset. Great to see, uh, you know, and, and kind of cool story if that team's actually able to make a run here. So um, moving on to the last topic of NFL, uh, going to be talking about the bills and the chiefs. Obviously that's the upcoming game this week, but both teams really, just obliterated their their opponents in in these uh in the wild card super wild card uh, weekend um and so the bills obviously by themselves had an absolutely historic performance and and, and arguably perfect against you know against the patriots and, and so two stats that really stood out to me that i heard kind of after i was going to kind of kind of consuming my content this week um and if you you know if you if you read or, or on twitter or you know listen to other podcasts and stuff you probably heard this at this point but first of all josh josh allen well three i'm gonna give you three stats josh allen two of them had to do with josh allen he had more touchdowns than incompletions he had five touchdowns and only four incompletions all right second one is He's the first quarterback in NFL history to run for over 50 yards, throw for over 300 yards, and then also throw for five passing touchdowns. And, and like regular season playoffs, anything, the first player in NFL history to do that. And it's like, that's so crazy that he did it, you know, in like negative six, literally the wind chill was negative six degrees in Buffalo against Bill Belichick, right, of all people. So, so that is like crazy in and of itself. And then on top of that, the other stats kind of, you know, that, that, that jumped out to me for this game is just the way that the Bills played in general. First of all, they had seven drives. Well, their first seven drives were all touchdowns. All right. Their eighth drive was just kneeling down to end the game. All right. And so you may think, well, wait, so they didn't have any other like an end results to their drive. No, they didn't. They didn't kick any field goals. They didn't kick any punts and they didn't have any turnovers. And they're the first team in NFL history to have that happen in a game like in which that they played. And so it's like, and so that's what people are calling the quote unquote perfect game is like, you know, in baseball, if you don't throw any, you don't throw any balls or you don't have any like hits or whatever, it's a, you know, it's a perfect game. What they're calling now the, the perfect game in the NFL is no, you know, no field goals, no punts and no turnovers. And I guess they're going to have to come up with some metric of like winning by a certain amount of points or scoring a certain amount of touchdowns or whatever, because you can also, you know, do that and win seven to nothing. But, um, but yeah, I just think that still scoring 47 points and, and, and having that be the result against, again, like I said, Bill Belichick in negative six degrees is absolutely insane. So clearly the bills played out of their mind for that game. Um, we then we're going to, you know, switching over to the Chiefs now. They get down 7 nothing. The Steelers scored a defensive touchdown on them. You know, you're kind of thinking, what's going on here? The Chiefs didn't even – they didn't score on their first five possessions. They didn't even really get to the other side of the field on their first five possessions. Lots of punts in the, to start this game. And so you're at the point where you're almost like halfway through the second quarter and the Steelers are up 7 nothing. And it's like, what's going on here? Is this about to be one of those crazy upsets? And, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, for all we've made of it, he's actually going to win a playoff game and continue his career. No, not even close because – because the Chiefs scored 21 points in like six minutes um, and then scored another 21 points in like the first six minutes of the third quarter. Uh, and so before you knew it, it was 42 to seven, uh, you know, and the, Chief, the Chiefs were up and they were doing, you know, they were Travis Kelsey threw a touchdown pass. Patrick Mahomes threw a touchdown pass to an offensive lineman. They were just doing all the all the normal crazy Andy Reid Chiefs stuff around the goal line, um, and it didn't even look like really look like they were trying. It almost looked like at first it was kind of like Patrick Mahomes was like, "All right, you know, what kind of stuff can I can I get away with?" You know, to, to start this game, he was almost like kind of just toying with the defense. He was like, "You know, what, what? How can I make this fun for myself? Because I know that I'm, that our team is already so much better than them." Um, and so, when it kind of when they first, you know, when they actually started trying, they scored six straight touchdowns. 
Browns and, and blew out, blew, you know, blew the doors off the Steelers. So that sets us up for the upcoming divisional round game in which the Chiefs play the Bills in Arrowhead. And I think, the, I mean, the topic here, and this is kind of why I came up with this question, is like, could this game, the Chiefs versus the Bills in the divisional round, be the best game of the entire playoffs, even including the Super Bowl, just because of how great offensively and defensively these two teams are, um, how you know how much win equity they have. Both of the quarterbacks are arguably top five quarterbacks in the league and, and are leading their teams, and both teams have so much steam and, and are playing at such high levels. It's almost like you know, we could see this being a Super Bowl matchup, obviously, if both teams were in different conferences. And so that's kind of why I'm thinking, like, could this be the best game of the playoffs, even, you know, even including the Super Bowl? So I'll, I'll hand it over to Hayden and, and see what he has to say about that. Yeah, I totally think I think you hit the nail on the head with this one, that this may be the the best matchup of the playoffs in in total, you know, even better than the Super Bowl. And I think that there's there's really good reason behind this, and it's it's exactly that that both of these teams have two of the the best, arguably the best offenses in the league, and their defense. Both of their their both of these teams' defenses are just great this year. You know, we I mean the Bills have been the Bills' defense has, has been pretty good for the past like three years. Um, the the Chiefs' defense, on the other hand, has kind of been like on and off at the beginning of the season. At the beginning of this season, obviously they were not very good at all. But they started to turn it up. You know, they got Frank Clark, Frank Clark back and then Chris Jones as well. And so that's when they started to, to kind of turn up their defense. And so at this point, yeah, it's it's almost like we're looking at, you know, two teams that that can for sure have perfect games and, you know, in, in, in the full sense of the word. And so I think and that that's kind of why I was, you know, if, if you guys didn't listen to the, to the last episode or the last uh, Tuesday episode where we did our NFL pr- playoff bracket, I took the Bills in this game um, because I I just think that the Bills are one of those teams that like if they are on, literally nobody can beat them. They 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 could I mean I have I have the Packers and the Bills in the Super Bowl. If they play a game like they did against the Patriots, if they play a game like that in the Super Bowl, they're gonna win the Super Bowl, dude. Like they there, there's no question about it. They are they're incredible, dude. I, I don't think I've seen an offense like that. I mean, the, even the Chiefs' offenses in the, in the past have been like kind of questionable at times. Where Patrick Mahomes, you know, throws some, he tries to play hero ball a lot, and so a lot of times he'll complete those passes. But then sometimes he'll kind of throw incomplete passes where you're kind of wondering like, why did he even do that? Uh, we had a lot of that at the beginning of the season, but even in the past few seasons where he's kind of you know risen to risen to fame, it's he still had one, some of those moments where people are like, okay, you're kind of trying to do too much. Josh Allen is never like that, dude. Josh Allen, like if he's, if he's rolling out and he's, you know, purposefully doing something, he's doing it for a reason. And everybody knows why. I think that's what makes him special is that when he, when he like sets out to do something during a play and it may, you know, at first it may look like there's not much there. He makes something happen and it's, we're never really left in question with Josh Allen, I think with Patrick Mahomes, it's a little bit different. Sometimes we are. And that may just be the nature of the Chiefs offense as well. But um, yeah, the, like these, I'm so excited for this game. And and I really do think that the Bills could do it. I think a lot of people are saying that the Chiefs are going to do it because of, you know, what they did to the Steelers. Um, but I, I do think that it kind of that the beginning of that Steelers game showed that if the Bills defense shows up and they, you know, maybe rattle Patrick Mahomes in the beginning, like they can, they can definitely pull out to a lead. And I think if you give 
I think if you give the Bills a lead, I don't think I've ever seen anybody really come back against the Bills. Like that's that's something that is another thing that kind of just puts the Bills ahead of the Chiefs, in my opinion. I don't really think I've ever seen a team come back against the Bills. I can't. I mean, if you, if you want to get technical with it, I can't really name another time that that the Chiefs have been come back against um, or have been a, a team has come back against the Chiefs. Um, but right, like the, you, that kind of is, is just a testament to how good both of these teams are. So, yeah, I I, I really do think that it is going to be the best team, the best game of the playoffs, and there's really no question behind it. Um, and it's kind of weird that I'm saying that for the the AFC, which was kind of like a wreck the whole year. Um, but you know, I think the two best teams really are. Or I'm not going to say that. I think the best team is in the NFC, but the 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 next two best teams are in the are in the AFC and I think that's kind of weird because the AFC has been kind of questionable all year. Yeah, yeah, I I I think so and and that's what kind of why I asked the question is like I do think that there is a a, a real possibility that like this game is just fireworks. Either and I think that it's going to be one of those games that either they they score like, you know, 90 points combined and it's like you know 44 to 43 you know final score or i can also see it being like you know 20 to 7 or you know or 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 10 to you know 10 to 3 or something that's like a crazy thing that we don't expect i think it's gonna be either way i think either defenses are gonna be on point and 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 playing their best game or the offenses are just gonna really overpower um but either way i think it's gonna be a close game i think it's gonna be a good game and that's kind of why i'm super excited to watch it it's the sunday night primetime game uh um, you know, perfect time for, for that kind of game. So um, yeah. So really excited about that. Um, and I think, you know, now let's just move on to NBA. Yeah. Well, for, for first thing I wanted, to, or I guess not first thing, but last thing I wanted to say about, um, about the, this game is that like, I feel like a lot of people are saying if it's not over five degrees or no, if, if the game is over five degrees, then Josh Allen's like not going to have the game that he did. And he's not going to have the game of his life. So I don't know that that's just kind of funny to me because it's like it, there is an argument for that. It's like, dude, does Josh Allen play a lot better in the cold or do teams make him look better in the cold just because he's just as good as he is in the cold as he is in the in in warm weather? But it's just like everybody else is so much worse. But yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of funny. But yeah, moving on to NBA here. We have got two topics and the first one is about Cade Cunningham against the Suns on Sunday. They uh, The Pistons played the Suns, and Cade Cunningham got two technical fouls. Now, the first one was, I think, early on in the third quarter, and I, I forget what it was for, but the second one came after a dunk, and if, if you guys know what happened, you guys know exactly what I'm talking about, but pretty much Cade Cunningham he had a, a reverse dunk under the uh, or over the the sun center, and after the after he dunked on him, he pointed. Kay Cunningham claimed that he pointed towards his bench, and he was he was pointing like at his guys. Um, but the refs saw it differently, and he was pretty much like the bench was in the direction of the guy that he had just dunked over, and so it looked like he was pointing at the guy that he just dunked over and he was taunting him and we all know every you know the nba and the nfl are getting so soft with these taunting penalties and so he got thrown out of the game because he got a second te- technical foul um and he he was he was on pace to have like his career high in points him and devin booker were going at it all game there was a big battle between the two guys in, in that game and so it's just like the question here is like is it 
and I, I we've kind of touched up on this in the past about, but really just NFL taunting penalties. But in the NBA, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting in the NBA, first of all, because they are the ones that said, okay, this year we're going to, you know, kind of cut back on the, on the foul calls. We're not going to cause many fouls. And now they're here calling taunting penalties or taunting fouls just like for, for nothing, you know, for pointing at a guy. And even like he might've, he might've not even been pointing at the guy. He might've just been trying to point at his bench and, and, you know, saying, Oh, like, look at me, whatever. So my question here is like, are these taunting penalties getting way too much? And I don't, I don't think there's really any, any, uh, there, there's a right answer here, but I'm just going to let, let Matt take it away. Yeah. I mean, of course they are. <laughs> um, but, but I think that, yeah, the officials are at least consistent in the manner in which they call the taunting penalties. Right. So across the NBA, well, not, I would say not really with the NFL, but I think with the NBA, cause it's kind of like, there's really only certain situations where you would taunt someone. And so they're just calling it every time. Um, but like, dude, yeah. To be ejected from a game because you are happy that you made a dunk. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Yeah. Um, so I understand the whole, like, you know, it creates a negative connotation and you don't want, you know, you don't want people to be, you know, ultra competitive and whatever. Well, not ultra competitive. I, I guess I more mean like you don't want to cause fights or, or stuff, you know, nasty stuff to break out between these guys. But like, yeah, at the end of the day, like they're just trying their best out there. And, and if they make a great play, they should be able to celebrate it. Um, so I think that, yeah, I, I totally agree with what Hayden's saying. I think that kind of the line that we should draw is like, if in a celebration of a dunk or, or a good play or whatever, like the player who makes the play goes directly after the other person and is like, you know, causing physical altercations. That's, you know, that's, that's grounds for, for an ejection because you're, you're not really playing the game at that point, right? You're not, you're not being a competitor. You're just being, you know, you're just being a jerk. So, um, so I think that's kind of the line of demarcation that we can create when it comes to the whole taunting thing and, and, and being over celebratory uh, and getting ejected for this stuff. But yeah, I think that, you know, He's a young player. He's, he's finally kind of, you know, hitting his stride. He's, he's, he's really, he's playing well for the Pistons. And again, you know, like Hayden said, it's, it, it, they are the Pistons and they're the worst team in the East and they're playing the Suns who are the best team in the West. And, you know, a little bit more on that, you know, kind of next topic here, but, um, but yeah, let him have a shine for a little bit. You know, he made a good play. He doesn't need to be, he doesn't need to be ejected for it. And like Hayden said too, he, he was having a really great night. Could have been a, could have been a career night for him. And it was ended shortly just because he, you know, just because he pointed at a guy. So, um, so, so yeah, but so kind of my point then to kind of reconcile that is like, at least the officials are calling that for everyone. It wasn't like the guy was you know, specifically going after Cade Cunningham. Um, if anyone does that, that's kind of the rule. And you don't see it that much just because I think that players know, like, there's no point in trying to do this because I just know that I'm going to get thrown out for it. Um, but it's like they shouldn't have even they shouldn't even have to think that way. Right. Like that shouldn't be like something that crosses their mind of like, I'm going to you know, I'm just going to step over this guy. And, you know, if something bad happens, then OK. But um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of my thought on it. Obviously, not not super long, not super drawn out, very clear cut and dry, because that's really what the nature of this rule is. And I don't think we need to, I, I, you know, I think we just need to, we need to change it. And I did, one thing I did want to mention is that Aiden, you know, kind of really astutely pointed out that the NBA refs and the officials, 
did acknowledge before the season, right, we're not going to call these fouls anymore. And everything that I've read in terms of the people who do get, you know, fouls called on them a lot, right, your Trey Youngs of the world, your James Hardens of the world, were at first, for the first couple months, really taking way less kind of average free throws per game is, is kind of the best way to measure it, right, because you're, you know, shooting free throws, shooting foul or whatever, Um and they've almost doubled since then, right? These these guys are just getting fouls called on them. So I think that the refs are kind of just either they just wanted to go back to the way it was, or they just are kind of getting lazy again and just calling more fouls and wanted to be about the refs instead of the the game. I don't know, but but yeah, I think it's just overall like let's just call less fouls because that'll just make everybody's day better. And we'll be able to enjoy the sport of basketball instead of just being like, anytime there's a slight bit of contact or anytime that someone makes, you know, uh, something a little bit too much of a gesture, like we're scared that the game is going to end and, you know, and the players going to be thrown out and, you know, everything is, everything is ruined at that point. So that, that's kind of my view on it. I think if you're, if, if you're not, punching the guy in the face or something like that. Like Matt said, you know, getting into some kind of physical altercation, like as long as you're not, yeah, like hitting the guy or punching him or something like that, you know, or I, I guess you could even say like getting in his face and you know how athletes do it when they kind of, their faces get really close and you like think they're going to kiss, but they, <laughs> they don't. And they're really just mad at each other. But for some reason they get really close to each other. It's like, that kind of thing I can understand. Yeah. Okay. Give the guy a, te- a technical if it's clear that he started it, but yeah, I, I, I don't think like that shouldn't have been a call at all. First of all, because these guys are grown men, like, uh, Oh, he pointed at me. I'm really offended. Like it's, it's no, it's not like that. I, I bet you, I forget the center's name, but I, I bet you he was at the time he was probably like, Oh yeah, I got dunked on. I kind of deserve that. I, you know, it, if, if I got dunked on by Cade Cunningham, I'd probably be like, yeah, point at me. I, I deserve it. But, um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things where they're grown men and it's a professional league. I get it. It's not it's not really professional to do that. But at the same time, it's like that that creates more of the entertainment. Yeah, it's a professional league, but it, it doesn't really have like you're not they're not in suits about to go to the office and like sit down and and work at a computer for eight hours like they're playing basketball and that's part of the game in my opinion it's just yeah it's it's pretty ridiculous that that's that kind of stuff happens another thing to consider is that kate uh cunningham has actually come out in i think like multiple press conferences after games and stuff and he's he's even said like i don't really anything that happens on the court that's of that nature it doesn't really affect me he's even said like i don't really get involved in all the drama if you know if if I do mouth off to somebody or if I do stare somebody down, it's not like, it's not personal. Cause, and I think, I think that's kind of how it is for a lot of the guys in the NBA. It's not personal for them. And so why should the the refs kind of make it personal? You know, like if you call a foul, a technical foul, then it becomes personal for them. Cause it's like, well, I just got a personal foul, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I don't know. It, it's, it's almost like they makes them personal. So it, it makes the, makes the altercation personal or whatever. So yeah, that that's that's my take on it. But um, I'll I'll let Matt take around or take away this next topic here. Yeah, we're just gonna get a little update on the top of each conference. What teams have kind of you know improved or or declined um and speaking of declining the nets have uh big time uh they've stumbled from a three-game first place lead in in the east to now they're third they're in third place um uh and, and so behind the uh behind the bulls and the and the heat uh and so and, and something that came out you know this past weekend was like james harden being mentioned in trade conversations and it's like 
why is he already making headlines to be traded? He, he just got, they just had the, you know, the, uh, they just kind of got together last season, saw what it was. And, and again, like I keep saying, you know, and like everyone says, you know, if Kevin Durant's shoe size was a, was a half size smaller, the, you know, the shot that he made would have been a three, a dagger. They would have beaten the bucks. They would have gone to the finals and probably beaten the Suns and easily could have won an NBA championship. And it's like, you know, and then obviously with, you know, Kyrie came back, like that's a good thing for the team. Kevin Durant absolutely carried that team for the first entire half of this season. Um, and so it's like, now we're just going to be broken up and, and James Harden's going to go to the Sixers because why? I don't know. Um, if he didn't go to the Sixers though, I think that'd be pretty cool. That would actually make them competitive. And, and so that would be a good move, I think, um, you know, for, for entertainment purposes, but for the Nets organizationally, if you're trying to win a championship, you can't really get rid of James Harden. But anyway, um, on the other side of things, let's, let's kind of look at the West here. So the Warriors had an incredible start. Um, they've been in first place in the West the entire year. And obviously, as we know, the West is, is always loaded. Um, but they're now three games behind the Suns. And they're tied, actually, for set. Well, they're in second place. But they have the same amount of wins as the Grizzlies, who have just been like unbelievable this year. I mean, I did an entire segment on the Grizzlies uh, in the podcast I did by myself and kind of saying like they were, you know, they won 10 games in a row when John Morant was out and then he came back and they had a terrible game. And I was like, is he, you know, what's kind of gonna, what's going to happen with that. And then basically, you know, a few games after that, they, they've, they've gone nine and one in their last 10 games. Um, And I think they've actually won 10 in a row. I think that was like the ninth one or whatever um, by now. And so, and that's with John Morant too. So clearly he came back and they're just as good, if not better. And, and he's been like in some insane plays. So, um, so yeah, so the Warriors are kind of, you know, they've been definitely declining as well, similar to the Nets over the past, uh, you know, the past month or so. Um, and so, uh, you know, and so the question here kind of is like, is this more about the Warriors decline or the impressiveness of the teams around them in terms of, you know, the Suns and, and, the, and the Grizzlies? I think for, for the West, it would definitely be the impressiveness of the teams around them. I think, with the war the, again, the start that the Warriors had was just so statistically impossible, and the stuff that they were doing, and 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 the stuff that Steph was doing was just crazy compared to what the expectations were for them. Um, again, I think they were supposed to be, you know, I think that coming into the season, if nobody had seen anything, the the normal expectations would have been a fringe playoff team for the Warriors, similar to what they did last year. Um, and then obviously, you know, with Blake Thompson coming back, like, yeah, they, you know, they're supposed to, they're expected to make the playoffs, but like the start that they had, even without Clay Thompson and James Wiseman was just, was just incredible. And so their defensive numbers have declined a little bit. Steph started shooting a little bit worse, uh, you know, the past month or so. And now he's kind of been out for a few games and he's going to be out, I think for another, maybe in the next week or two. Um, but again, like, I think that, you know, I think that we shouldn't be worried about the Warriors doing worse um, by any means. I think that I think they know what they have and they're comfortable in what they do have. And so they're just going to keep rolling. They're going to keep Steph out, you know, and still get a good seed in the playoffs and then bring him back when it's time to roll. And I don't think that team's going to miss a beat. Um, on the other side, just to go back to the Nets real quickly, kind of just kind of wrap this up and then I'll have Hayden share his thoughts on, on both these teams. Maybe some of the some of the same situation where like you know the Nets are kind of just teasing all these trade rumors and, and James Harden wants to leave or whatever. Um, I haven't heard much about James Harden's kind of like lack of effort, similar to what was going on in Houston near the end of his run there, um, when he was just like not showing up for practice and and would only play in the games. Now again, he would still play great in the games, but um, but but still kind of the same thing with the Nets. I don't think it's to that extent. I think he still wants to play for them, and and obviously like I, I don't know. I, I just he, his entire persona, it just seems like wherever he goes, 
the team builds around him and is like ready to win a championship. And then as soon as they're actually ready to do it, he just like leaves or stops trying. And it's like, are, are you like, and, and again, some players, their goal is not to win a championship. So that may be his and, and that's totally fine. But it's like, if, if this is your best chance of your entire career after being on, you know, three different championship level teams, why would you just want to stay at least for this year to just figure things out? Yeah. The Kyrie thing is weird, but like you had the number one seed in the East and, K- and KD is absolutely carrying the team and the East is really bad anyway. So, you know, as long as you can get back, get past the bucks again in the playoffs, like you'll be straight uh, or at least, you know, have a really good chance to win the championship. So, um, so I don't know. I don't know if anything's actually going to come out of this or if it was just rumors and, and whatever, but, but that's kind of my take on how the Nets and Warriors have fared over the past couple months here. Um and, and I think that, you know, going forward, we're going to have to be focusing on teams like, you know, like the Bulls, like the Suns, you know, the Cavs are the four seed in the East. Who would have ever thought? I, I already, you know, went ad nauseum about the Grizzlies. So I think that, you know, we definitely should be shining some light on these smaller market teams that have really just been outperforming their expectations and, and should be considered as serious threats when it comes to the playoffs. Um, super excited to just kind of get this type of parity in here, right? We don't, we don't have the Lakers and the Clippers, you know, doing so and, and the Celtics like you know continually doing as well as they have for the past few years we finally have some different teams here and, and I'm and I'm all and I'm completely all for it yeah I, I totally agree and I, we saw kind of a glimpse of that when we got the the Suns and kind of I mean the Bucks have been arguably like really good for the past couple of years ever pretty much ever since Giannis became the superstar but um yeah like we saw the you know the same thing with with or we, we kind of saw a glimpse of these smaller teams getting better with the Suns going to the finals and everybody was hype about that. But another thing that I kind of wanted to touch up on, and it's, it's really cool that this topic was brought up because we talked about, I think it was like our second ever, I think it was our second time ever talking about the NBA on this podcast um, back in November when the, the NBA season like basically just started. I think there were like eight games in or something. And we were actually talking about, we were talking about the Warriors and the Suns and we were talking about how the Warriors were, like Matt said, just at this absolutely incredible level of, of, of play. Like it was, it was just, their numbers were astronomical and they were, you know, they, they weren't missing and they were playing almost perfect basketball. And one of, one of the things that was brought up in that discussion was, will we see the Warriors kind of start to fall off a little bit towards the middle slash end of the season? Um, and I think one thing that we didn't really bring up was, will we see, you know, some other teams kind of, kind of like Matt has said with this topic is like, will we, will we see some other teams kind of, you know, get better while the Warriors kind of just stay the same or, or not, not really stay the same, but um, kind of reduce back to like expect the expectation level. And I think that's exactly what's happened. Um, but it may be a little bit more amplified just because the Warriors were playing at such a high level at the beginning of the season, people are maybe thinking um, and, you know, kind of exaggerating the fact that, okay, they're not playing at that level anymore. Steph Curry, like Matt said, it kind of got into a little bit of a slump and a slump for Steph Curry obviously is not even really that bad, but you know, he's, he's, he's kind of gotten into a little rut and yeah, he's hurt right now or whatever. But um, I think, yeah, I, I think it is kind of fair to say, well, even though the teams around them have gotten a lot better, I think the Warriors are also kind of kind of declining you know in a sense because of how they were playing at the beginning of the year and I think that's kind of what we I'm, I'm glad we brought this topic up because it kind of points out something something that we didn't even really 
notice and and you know the first time we talked about it which is kind of cool in my opinion um kind of you know on the on the net side of things they're kind of, they're just kind of weird you know ever since Kyrie came back it's it's been like yay we have Kyrie back and then obviously like i said in in the in the episode that we talked about it um it's like the away games cool they have Kyrie and Kyrie can do all this cool stuff and then they go back home and it's like oh yeah Kyrie can't play you know we've got to have James Harden and and Kevin Durant take over again um Kevin Durant i mean he Kevin Durant's been playing at a at great level all season you know he's he's like definitely lead mvp right now um and so that's that's cool to see from them but i i do think that the whole like james harden being traded thing is i think you know that that may just be kind of one of those hoax things where it's just like they they just do it just to be in the news and kind of you know be talked about because yeah like the if you look at NBA news now, a lot of it is going to be talking about the Grizzlies because they're on such a big run and everything like that. And so I think maybe the Nets are getting kind of like media thirsty and they're like, okay, well, you know, we, we had the whole Kyrie fiasco. And so now he's kind of solidified back in the lineup for away games and we don't, we're not really in the media anymore. So let's just say that James Harden wants to be traded and now we'll be in the media again. You know, it it may be one of those things, um, which is kind of funny, but yeah, that's that's just my take on it. It's not really anything too deep, honestly. But if we don't have if we don't have anything else to say about NBA, we can move on to this fun segment. Of course, let's do it. All right. Yep. So this I was I was questioning a fun a fun segment for this episode just because I didn't know if we were gonna you know do NHL or anything like that. But this is something that I want to do as kind of a recurring thing. Um, I tried to think of something that we could do not really every week because we'll obviously we'll have, you know, holiday fun segments as usual when it comes time for, for, you know, the kind of like the bigger holidays. And so one of the, you know, I I was trying to come up with something that would be fun to do on, you know, maybe like a bi-weekly or not bi-weekly every other week basis, or, you know, like, or Matt suggested once a month basis, we'll kind of see how it goes. But um, this, this new segment is called, you're wrong, man. And so it's kind of like, come on, man. It, you know, it has the same amount of syllables. It's kind of, it, it rhymes, you know? And so it's really just how it sounds. It's, we're going to pick out two things from, um, from the past week, or I guess we can m- maybe do like the past month in the future if we're just going to do it monthly, but um, we're going to pick out two things in sports that happened that it's basically like you, you, a guy was either done wrong or they did the wrong thing. And so we're going to, you know, kind of go over our, our two candidates of the week. So for a total of four and um, yeah, that's, that's how it's going to go. So I'm going to let Matt take it off first with his first year wrong, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty easy first place answer for me. And that is that Mike McCarthy is wrong for that play calling at the end of the Cowboys game. And, And we talked about it a little bit. Maybe it's Kellen Moore. Maybe it's a little bit of Mike McCarthy. But I think that either way, there's been multiple examples throughout the entire regular season of Mike McCarthy screwing up when it comes to the, you know, the, the end of the game situations, using your timeouts correctly, getting your plays off. It just didn't make sense. Why are you running a QB draw when there's, you know, when there's, tw- I think it was 14 seconds left. Um 
you know, when, when the entire rest of the field has to get set and the ref has to touch the ball, it's like, that's all stuff that it seems like in idiosyncrasies, but it's that stuff that you should know as a head coach in the NFL. Like you have to have practiced that you have to know to the second what you're going to be able to get away with and not. And it didn't even seem like there was like a defensive player that was like, right, you know, writhing on the ground or like, you know, they were trying to hold him up. They, they all got up there as fast as they could. The ref, you know, he was a little slow, but again, you can't really expect that guy to be like a sprinter and be exactly ready for, you know, to touch the ball right whenever he wanted to. And so, yeah, so the Cowboys lost and they're blaming on the refs, but I don't blame the refs at all. I blame Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I think I think Dak is also kind of to blame for that because like he ran something like 25 yards and it's like, dude, what's the difference between throwing a 30 yard pass and a 35 yard pass to the end zone? Like you're going to have to take an end zone shot either way on that next play. So it's like, yeah, it's 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 both guys fault, but definitely Mike McCarthy for making that play call because that's where it all started. So can't really blame Dak for doing something during the play where he doesn't have much time to think. So my first, uh, my first, you're wrong, man. Here is we kind of got into it a little bit earlier, but it's what the Chiefs did to the Steelers. Now we all know that in the first quarter it was zero to zero, which was crazy to see. I wasn't even really watching that game. I was, um, I, I was doing something else, but I checked the score and it was it was like 14 seconds left in the first quarter, and it was zero zero still. And I was like, what is going on? I expected the Chiefs to be up by like three touchdowns already. And then it became seven zero. The Steelers were up, and I was like, "Dude, are my like, am I dreaming right now?" And then, um, yeah, and and then with like six minutes left in the third quarter, I mean, in the second quarter, like Matt said, the Chiefs just all of a sudden score three touchdowns in a row, and it's like, "Oh, geez, it's twenty one to seven going into halftime." And then coming out of halftime, in like the same amount of time uh, or same same span of time in the second half, or to start off the second half the Chiefs score three more touchdowns. And it's like, dude, you guys just scored 42 unanswered points. The Steelers have, you know, had no hopes of winning this game at all in the beginning. And so now, like, you've basically gotten their hopes up to the highest they can be. And then you just beat them down with a 42-point um, uh, scoring drought or scoring lead, I guess. Um, yeah, it was just like, it, it was crazy to see. And I felt so bad for the Steelers. But then again, it's like, you know, I, I feel like Big Ben was just going out there just to have fun. He even said it in a press conference, like the the week leading up to it, he was like, we are the worst. He literally called the Steelers the worst team in the playoffs. And he said that they were just going to go out there and have fun. So I guess that's it. It takes a little bit off of the, um, you know, a, a little bit of the pain off, I guess, because he said that. But at the same time, it's like the Chiefs really do kind of deserve to be like, wow, you really did that to the to the Steelers because they had no hopes and you got their hopes up and then just crushed them so okay so my second uh you're wrong man nominee of the week is golf related gotta crowbar in these golf topics dude so I'm gonna say that Hideki Matsuyama is wrong for what he did to Russell Hundley at the Sony championship this past weekend obviously a lot of you probably don't know what happened Basically, Russell Henley is so. First of all, I mean, I'm not going to go too long on this, but they played a cha- they played a tournament like way back in like July of last year. Russell Henley ha- Henley had a huge lead, and he like completely blew it, and and it was like 
you know, and again, golf is a, is a, is a one man sport and it's a mental game. And so when you got to get screwed up like that, it's, it's tough to come back from it. But anyway, so, right. So he lost that tournament like six months ago. He's here again, up by five strokes on the back nine at, you know, to win his first tournament on the PGA tour. And it's like, everybody's like, yes, he's going to do it. You know, so good for Russell Henley, especially after how he blew that lead, you know, six months ago. And he did the exact same thing on Sunday. I think it was more of, he shot plus one on the back nine which isn't for the course they were at he probably should have done better um but Hideki Matsuyama came out and absolutely took it from Russell Henley uh got it to a playoff so they you know they played the 18th hole again and it was so funny because it was like obviously you can see the momentum was shifting like crazy Matsuyama was 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 just out there you know doing his stuff and, and Russell Henley was like in damage control mode and once they got to the playoff hole they played the 18th hole again which is a par five Hideki just striped a drive right down the middle, hit a three wood to like th- three feet to the green or to the hole and, and hold out for Eagle and Russell Henley shot a bogey six. And it's like, come on, dude. Like you, yeah. we knew going into that playoff that there was not a chance for Russell Henley. So it was, I think it was just, it was just, you know, it's going to, the story coming out of that is more of going to be about Russell Henley not being able to close and he's always choking his leads away. But I think the story should be more about Hideki just absolutely taking it from Russell Henley and getting his first year or his first win of the year um, on the PGA tour. Yeah, that that was really cool to see uh, Matsuyama do that. Cause again, yeah, like Russell Henley was leading ever since I think uh, it was ever since Friday. Like I think he took the lead Friday and he had the lead for Friday and Saturday and most of Sunday, and then he got it ripped away from him. So my second and our final, um, our final, you're wrong, man of the of the week here is Kyler Murray. He was his like he was just off all game last night, and it got even worse when they were on. I think they were on like their own three yard line or something. And I don't even. I think he. I think it was like a screen, or it was supposed to be some kind of screen throw or some kind of. Um, like short out route. And he had a guy, I think it was like uh Rondale Moore or, or Christian Kirk or some, somebody. And they were kind of just like turned around, but they were on their own goal line. I don't know why they were running such a short pass on their own goal line. Um, but yeah, Kyler Murray was, he, he backed up the pass and same thing that he got all game. I think it was like Von Miller came off the edge or something. Um, or one of the D tackles came up the middle for the Rams and they, you know, they, they started to tackle him and then Kyler Murray like did his best. I don't know, like Joe Flacco impression or Ben Roethlisberger impression where he just like, he, he just like kind of shovels the ball out with, you know, out of his right hand. And it was just the easiest pick ever. And so uh, one of the, one of the Rams DBs pick, you know, runs up and picks it off and he's like his momentum from picking the ball off, just carried him into the end zone. Like he probably didn't even really realize he was in the end zone um, until like his fifth step past the goal line. And yeah, it was just one of those where I was like, dude, yeah, you're going to get a safety. And arguably it's better to throw a pick six in that situation because you don't want to give the other team two points and the ball because they could score a touchdown and, you know, make it worse than just a touchdown. Um, But it's like in terms of momentum and in terms of like, you know, just palm or or face palm moment. It's just like, dude, you never want to have that kind of pick six in in, in that moment. And it was just, yeah, Kyler Murray was definitely wrong. He was definitely wrong many other times in that game, um, which I I feel bad about, but it's like, we, we were shown that 
the Cardinals were really not good all season. And a lot of people can say, okay, well, DeAndre Hopkins wasn't playing. Don't give me that, dude. Like they they had basically everybody else on their um, on, on their roster playing and they weren't really able to do anything or keep it close at all. Yeah, and also praise up. Oh well, let me just let me just say this real quick. I'll take the credit for that because I've been calling the Cardinals frauds all season. Yeah, no, for sure. Also, prayers up to Buddha Baker. If you guys didn't see, I I don't even really know what's like what the status of or what his status is as of now. But last night he got he got some kind of head injury. He tried to um he tried to come in low on 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 Cam Akers one play, and he hit like the side of his head and he got knocked out cold on the play. But the crazy thing is that Cam Akers got up and like st- basically stepped over Buda Baker while he was knocked yeah, out cold on the ground. It. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He, he didn't realize it, but he got up and then he like, he patted the ground or he like, he did like a padding motion to basically tell Buda Baker you're too little or you're too small. And Buda Baker was like in critical condition on the field. And like, it, it was just turned into this whole thing where, Cam Akers just felt so bad. And he like, I remember the, the, the camera people were showing Cam Akers, like while Buda Baker was getting pretty much getting like put on a stretcher and you could just see like how bad he felt um, because he did that little gesture. And it was, I don't know. It, it was funny. Like seeing Cam Akers do that and being like, wow, dude, you're really a, not a cool person for doing that. Um, but obviously, you know, it's not cool to see Buda Baker get injured like that, but yeah, hopefully he's okay. He, um, he is. I think he I mean, he obviously got taken to the hospital, but he gave the thumbs up as he was going out. And then he he sent a social media post out today from the hospital bed. And he's I don't again, they haven't diagnosed what the actual injuries are, but um, definitely some sort of pretty severe concussion or something going on there. Um, and, and but he's like he's talking and like, you know, functioning and stuff, which is, you know, which is which is definitely good. So, um, you know, but again, going to probably be a while for whatever he's going to have to recover from. So, um, yeah, so, so good that, you know, obviously good that, good that he, he's able to kind of, uh, you know, th- th- it's not too bad, you know, not too severe. So um, before we close out the show, we have to do Matt's betting lock of the week. What are we doing here? All right. Ooh. So what we had was last week, we had the chiefs minus seven in the first half. It was kind of crazy. All right, because they went down seven nothing after obviously after the uh, after the Steelers got the defensive touchdown, and like I said, it's like halfway through the second quarter, and it's still seven nothing Steelers, and I'm like, ah oh, man, I'm like, there goes the streak. Uh, well, I also had real money on it too, so I wasn't just thinking about the streak. I was also thinking about my bank account um, as I'm watching the you know the Chiefs kind of struggle there, and then it was just classic Chiefs, you know, just put up 21 points in like six minutes, and it was so funny because after they scored the second touchdown to go up 14 to seven, it was like it was like I was like, all right, we'll at least get a push on the bet, and I won't lose any money. The streak will you know pretty much continue. The Steelers get the ball back, and there's like two minutes left, and you could tell they were just trying to get, they were trying to run the clock out, basically to just go into halftime down seven points. They couldn't even do that. They punt it back. The you know then the Chiefs get you know they get like. Travis Kelsey gets like a 60 yard bomb touchdown. And so I was thinking this whole time, I'm like, I go from, it was like such a change in emotions. I was like, at first I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose. Like, dang it. The streak is over. I'm going to lose my money on the thing. Then I'm like, okay, wait, it's just going to be a push. So I won't lose any money. The streak will still continue. And then Travis Kelsey's hauling his button to the end zone. And I'm like, let's go. So um, yeah, very, very, very quick change in emotions, but a 
That's the handicap that we got, and that's what we deserve. So we're on the win streak of five in a row. We're six and four for the year, uh, all time. And this week is, is tough. Again, as you get closer to, well, first of all, there's only eight teams left. There's only four games, all right? And so the kind of the way it works is like with the less games that there are, the more sharp the lines are. So there's not really any specific, you know, place that you can really take advantage of what's going on here. But I'm going to go, I'm, I'm not really looking at the exact spreads to kind of do like a little math bet here. I'm more focused on the situation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the Packers minus five and a half. They're my team, obviously, but this is not a homer pick. This is a situational pick. The 49ers have been playing for their playoff lives for the past probably six weeks. Um, and they've been on the road for six out of the last eight games. They had to beat L.A. in L.A. and obviously had that crazy comeback just to make the playoffs. They played the Cowboys and their defense played really well, but they lost Joey Bo- or Nick. Who, who is it? Is it it's Nick Bosa, Nick right? Bosa. <laughs> Um, I mean, there's so many of them now you, you, you can't keep track, but they lost yeah. him. Um, and then, and then their best linebacker, Fred Warner, one of the best linebackers in the, in the NFL. Um, you know, he was out for the rest of the game. He, he will probably be able to come back, but yeah, I think they're a little bit beat up on the defensive end. And so they just played in the dome in Jerry's world. Now you're going up to Lambeau baby. And that is not a place that you want to play after giving Aaron Rodgers a week of time off. Um, I think the Packers are going to, cru- I don't think they're going to crush them. I think it's going to be a relatively close game, but I think that just all the factors situationally are going against the 49ers. And on top of that, the last time these two teams played in the playoffs was the 2019 conference championship where the Packers had the one seed and the 49ers came in and absolutely throttled them with that run game. I think there was like two separate running backs and the 49ers had like over 150 yards and, and one of them had over 200 yards and it was, it was, it was terrible. And so, you know, that all the Packers players had that in the back of their mind and they're, you know, they're going to come out full fledged trying to beat the 49ers. So that is my betting lock of the week for uh, Packers minus five and a half. Probably I would say get it in quick. Cause it might, it might be changing here. Might some might see some money coming on the Packers and the line gets up to maybe six or seven before, you know, before the game time on Saturday night. So, so that's my, that's my lock of the week. Let's keep this streak alive, baby. Yeah. I think it's a pretty hot take or yeah, I think it's a pretty hot take because I do think that like there's a surprising amount of people and this is just really people that I've talked to, you know, since the, since the 49ers won that game against Dallas. But I think there's a surprising amount of people that are really like looking to the four or looking at the 49ers and saying that they're going to win this game. I don't know why it's like, dude, the Packers again, my, my theory has always been Aaron. It's Aaron Rodgers, pretty much last shot or not last shot, but like it's, some may consider it to be his last shot in Green Bay um, at a Super Bowl. I, I see no reason why he's not going to go out there and leave it all on the field. Um, and again, with the with the 49ers defense be, uh, banged up and the 49ers are pretty much at the point where you can you can key in on the run and then you're going to make Jimmy G play a really good game. And if Jimmy G doesn't have a good game, they're not going to win. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think Matt's right with all the signs pointing to the Packers kind of have an upside in this game, but that about does it for our episode today. Uh, we're, I think we're right around an hour and 20 minutes, which is pretty good. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. And uh, we we're going to be back on Saturday as usual with, with our kind of laid back episode. Again, don't really know what we're going to be talking about there. Maybe given a little bit of a preview of the NFL games, um, 
because that'll be that'll be kind of cool to, to talk about and maybe some other stuff i don't know we kind of got with our last saturday episode we got a little uh a little freaky with the with with the golf mixed in there so that was that was fun so maybe maybe more of that um I don't know. I forget which tournament is being played this weekend, but yeah, we might. We might. Amex, get- really interesting. I could go on about for an, for an hour about this. They're playing over three courses. It's in La Quinta, California, um, and they're playing on three different courses. The cut is on as after Saturday, and then they're you're playing the same course Saturday that you play on Sunday. It's a weaker field, um, but I think it's going to be interesting. It's not going to be as beautiful as it was in in Hawaii the last two weeks, but. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. I'm yeah, let me it. catch you off there because I know you're gonna just keep on going if I don't. So yeah, that's uh, that, <laughs> gonna come Matt off there. Maybe he'll maybe we'll go on another rant on sa- Saturday. But yeah, be sure to catch us on Saturday for that episode. Uh, we're gonna sign off for today. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace.